imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, you beautiful people. Welcome to a very special filler episode. Not filler. It's Look, it's, it's filler, but it's killer. Well, I don't know. Actually, I haven't done it yet, so... I can't make false promises like I do to my kids. Yeah, I can. Um, But this is going to be an Ask Me Anything episode. Thank you so much for the people who made an effort to ask me anything and indulge me in this weird experiment. We'll be back to our normal programming next week. But for now, let's get cracking and let's get into some episode questions. Some episode questions? That's just... I'm sorry. I think Ask Me Anything is Jenny... Is your brain warm? The answer is no. But uh, that's actually probably not a bad place to start. Much like the very beginning. Let's answer some questions. I want to know if it's appropriate to swear in front of children. Um, And what are the general guidelines around that? Because I really enjoy swearing and as long as... Um, my stepchildren are not saying swear words in a nasty way. I don't have an issue with it. Um, and I, I checked, obviously, of course, to see w- what their parents' rules were around that um, because as a step-parent you sort of have to refer to mum and dad's rules first. But what is the general feeling on this? I mean, we would have been smacked and punished for this when we were children, but times have changed. And um, I find swearing a really expressive um, thing, you know, and i got to be honest, I kind of enjoy it. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Um, what a great one to start on. Okay, so look, I love the fact that you're referring to me as though I'm some sort of authority. I am absolutely not. But uh, I'll tell you what my approach has been. My Look, this is based on my mum. And when I say my mum, I mean my grandma who raised me. Now, she was a woman who was brought up in a time where manners were everything you absolutely would not be swearing in front of you elders because you'd have your mouth literally washed out with soap. In fact, at times when there was no soap, they probably like churned butter or something and added like a drop of lavender. And I don't mean lavender oil, I mean actual lavender that they grew from scratch in the garden um, in the middle of winter while they were hacking away at the ground with, you know, ice picks to be able to walk outside. Um, You know, it was a different time, but it was not something that was done. But I know... As I got older, and I can't remember exactly what age I was, when mum started to be a little bit okay with me slipping a swear word in now and then, and she would certainly let the expletives fly, but only if she hurt herself. So it was sort of accidental swearing. But to me, I guess that was less about the adult swearing and more about the kids swearing. But when she was sort of okay with it in small doses, it actually made me feel like a little bit, I don't know, respected. I don't know. Like just that 
yeah, like, you know, we're having this nice connection now and I can be real with my mom. So as a result, I think I've absolutely done the thing where I treat number one child very different from number three. My littlest is now 12. And in the last 12 months, I suppose because of lockdown, to be honest, I've probably let fly a lot more than I did for any of the other kids, because how can you possibly not be yourself for that long? (laughs) Like I couldn't contain it. So I do swear in front of him, not Certainly not as often as I used to um, and would normally and possibly would recommend. However, I do make it very clear to him that just because I'm saying those things doesn't mean that that means he has free reign to do it. And I I think, too, it's probably a judgment call because he in particular is just a very, I don't want to say good kid, but he's a really well-behaved, lovely, just got such a lovely nature. So for me, I know that when I say that to him, he gets it. Like he knows that and he sort of smiles at me and it's kind of like this fun little joke between us, you know, when I call him a fucking G. No, anyway, um, we'll bleep that out. (laughs) Yeah. So God, that doesn't really help at all, does it? My older kids are very different. Um, my, my daughter, I certainly could swear in front of her, but then she'd kind of just use that as license to swear right back. My other kid, I've never had to swear in front of him because he has just absolutely excelled, um, in, uh, beating me on that, uh, on that front. So the answer is, I guess it's depends on the child. Uh, yeah, I certainly think there's a lot bigger crosses to bear than, uh, not crosses to bear, hills to die on. That's what I tried to say. Sorry, it's really horrible to refer to a religious figure being uh, tortured to death in such a casual fashion. But um, I think there's a lot bigger fish to fry in the world than swearing. So I think as long as you're sort of clear in your mind about what you think's okay and what's not. And I guess the important thing is whichever way you go, talk to the kid about why. Oh, my God, I'm such an agony aunt. Okay, my next question was not a voice memo. This question came through in text form. So old-fashioned. So I'll read it out. This is from Sal. It says, let me find this. If you could choose to have a career with a massive income, i.e. a multimillionaire, but you hated your job, or a comedy career and a modest income, what would you choose? (laughs) Okay, so I think you guys probably know what the answer is to that because I have chosen... Um, the comedy career, except I suppose that does imply that I could choose to be a multimillionaire and have a job that I hate. Here's the thing. Since doing comedy, I have absolutely had so many moments where I'm like, oh my God, I'm so happy that younger Jenny went for it and took this path. And I've had moments where I've gone, oh my God, what the hell have I done? And especially when I've looked at peers of mine who've gone on to pursue careers in really high paying fields, little fun fact. So a dude um, at university who I had this very incredibly unhealthy on again, off again, weird relationship ish thing is now like a massive deal, uh, massive deal lawyer. (laughs) He's a massive deal lawyer, see, because I articulate things good, which is why I clearly didn't go into the high paying fields. That involved the use of uh, proper nouns and adjectives, etc. Um, but anyway, yeah, he's now like a partner in a massive law firm in New York, probably making millions of dollars a year. And there's moments when I'm like, oh, like, could I have done that? Uh, let's just say, for instance, that I could have opened up those doors and uh, gone down that route. But I, I just know myself enough to know that I would be absolutely miserable. So here's what I do. This is a little trick that I do. I pretend, okay, that 
I, I'm no accountant, okay, which will become clear in a second, but I pretend that my salary is actually like 400 grand a year, okay? That's what my salary is in my head. That's how much money I get paid. But every year I have to pay this tax, right? And this tax is like 300 plus a year. And I have to pay that straight to the tax department um, because that's the charge for living your ha- your best happy life. So that's my happiness tax. So when I just think of it like that, then I get both. Well, I guess it's not multimillionaire. Look, I'm an artist. I can't dream that high. My next question comes from a little boy called Addy. His question is egg. What a great question indeed. Now, there's probably <laughs> there's probably a lot of ways I could go on that. I will tell you one story. Okay, when I was little, before my mum died, she was living with a very violent man. Um, bear with me. It's going to get funny. Who <laughs> one day uh, he was looking after me and he made me some scrambled eggs. And I hated scrambled eggs. So I, in what I think to this day constitutes one of the great criminal mastermind moments of all time, came up with what I thought was just brilliant. And I tipped the scrambled eggs plate. I scraped them all off behind the couch. And I was like, done. Brilliant. Didn't even cross my mind that this could be an issue. Right. Imagine my shock. It was like Bruce Willis at the end of The Sixth Sense. It was like Kevin Spacey in uh, The Usual Suspects. It was just Georgia. When I got found out and very quickly, very quickly in my mind, it was like scrape, turn, bam. Um, And I did not get treated well for that. But here's the thing. You would think that after that experience, oh, scrambled eggs, I'd always be haunted by them and I'd hate them. I love scrambled eggs. And so to me, that says, I, I, that says that you can be a victor over these horrible traumatic experiences. And, uh, you know, you get to decide. You get to decide, Addy. You decide. Egg. Hi, Jen. Long-time listener, first-time question asker on your podcast. My question is, Have you ever had a gig where you turned up thinking it was a really bad idea, but the gig turned out to be an amazing experience? Thanks for the podcast. Bye. That's such an excellent question. Okay, so I have a few. I had one where I was booked to do – well, look, I thought it was a great idea and then it turned into a bad idea and then it turned into a great idea – was I was booked to do a women's luncheon – And it was for a mother's group. And I thought, brilliant. That's totally my jam. That's my people. And uh, when I walked in, they had a little luncheon and then they had a visual slides presentation about fetal alcohol syndrome. And I'm talking like really like graphically, horrifically sad photos of babies affected by fetal alcohol syndrome. It was about a 20 minute presentation. And then at the end, Literally, <laughs> the MC got up and said, and now Jenny Winter's going to do some comedy. And uh, yeah, that was that was tough. But um, I just, um, look, I think in those situations, you just got to make like you do in life and call it out honestly for what it is. And as soon as uh, everyone had a good little chuckle about it, we had a great time. But I think, you know, I still fondly recall that as being a bit of a weird situation. The other one was, let me think, shortly after I had a really terrible car accident back in 2010, 
I hadn't been able to perform for quite a long time. So I was really out of it. And then a friend of mine, the beautiful Liz Skitch, who's a fantastic comic lady down in Melbourne, invited me to go and perform at this other gig with her in Adelaide Fringe Festival just for a few nights. It was like, come down for three nights. I'll get you a spot. Uh, you know, it'll be fun. So I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready. Like physically, I'm still pretty uh, not feeling great. Anyway, so I went down, had the most amazing time just getting my feet wet again in comedy. But here's what happened. On the very last night at the Fringe Festival, I got asked to perform in this comedy band. And it was late at night. It was like midnight on the last night of the festival in this tent in the Garden of Unearthly Delights. And the concept was they had a band and... 10 different comedians all performing as the front man slash woman slash whatever um, for a different song. So anyway, I was like, oh, I don't know. It's so late and I'm such a grandma these days and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I thought, oh, I'll stuff it. Yes, yeah, so, you know, say yes to life. I've had such a great time. So I rock up to this gig. There's literally nine people in the audience and there's about 20 on stage. <laughs> <laughs> so immediately you're like, oh, okay. Okay. This is one of those. So I get up to do my song. It's You're the Voice by John Farnham, which to this day is one of my favorite songs. Always has been, always will be, um, especially to sing to. Whoa. <laughs> but um, anyway, so I get on stage and the nine people in the audience are just so rad. Like they're embracing the absurdity of this. They're like just so into it and excited and just, you know, young people, man. They're just, oh, the best. So, um, I made this joke. We're in the, you know, the middle bit, the bagpipe solo part. I, uh, I made a joke and I said to the audience, oh, I'm going to dive on you and crowd surf. And they look up at me, these nine people, and they put their arms up in the air and they go, yeah, like daring me to do it. And I'm like, huh? Like, really? You want me to do this? And they're like, yeah, come on. And I'm like, okay. And I crowd surfed on nine people. They carried me out probably two meters. It felt like the entire stadium of that tent. Um, they carried me out. I actually crowd surfed for the first time in my life to these tiny little people. And I think there's something beautifully poetic in that. Um, I'm so glad you asked that because now I got to relive that magical, magical moment. And, um, John Farnham, if you are listening, you really are the voice. You are. Okay. Where's my next question? Give me a second here. Okay. This one came in from Mary Huckfield on the Facebook group. Thanks, Mary. Okay. This question is, how do you feel about British people? Have you any funny stories or observations? And don't say English people because we're not all English. Some people forget that. Uh, and it can be a bit uh, eye roll. Uh, obviously avoid Brexit because we're a bit fed up about that, especially in Scotland. I don't live there anymore, but I did for the first 34 years of my life. I moved when I met my husband and I totally get their independence thing. When the kids wake up, I'll ask them about voice record. Oh, you don't need to know that. Um, lovely. Okay. So really the question is, how do you feel about British people? All right. Well, I have a British husband who I feel regularly. <laughs> um, sorry, it was just right there, wasn't it? Um, look, I have actually grown up loving Brit the British culture, I think. Uh, well, is that the way to put it? British culture as depicted on screen. Uh, Mary Poppins was one of my very first delights cinematically. Uh, very, very fond of her. Look, I love Braveheart. What can I say? Um Every time I try to attempt a Scottish accent, just a fun fact, 
I end up sounding like a pirate. I don't know what it is. I start going, you know, they shall, they'll take our lives, but they'll never take. Oh my God, I can't even do it. They'll take our lives, but they'll never take. I'll free them. Me hardies. You know, like, I, I don't know what's wrong with me. I used to be good at accents. Love Irish accents. I love a good accent. I guess what I'm saying is I really like the accents of the British people. I think a British accent's incredibly sexy, regardless of which area it comes from. Uh, even the sing-songy ones I think are really cute. They, you know, oh, follow. People say that, don't they? Uh, <laughs> I can't do accents anymore. I used to be so good at them and something happened. I don't know. There was a glitch in my brain that said, no more accents for you. No more accents for you. They're all going to be very broad and non-specific and not sound like any particular country at all. I call that my just, you know, blah, blah, European accent. So, yes, I know people complain about the British being really whingy and whiny and stuff. That has not been my experience because my husband would not dare whinge or whine because he knows I would do a good old relationship exit or as we call it, a Brexit. Okay, I'm going to stop now. That's really bad. I want to know, I guess this is a question for a doctor, (laughs) maybe not a comedian, but I want to know why I can't have an orgasm when I'm angry or sad. Do you know the answer to that? <laughs> um, that That is a question for a doctor. And uh, please let me know when you find out the answer. I'd really like to know how I can make friends with my nine-year-old stepson. Um, he's interested in very, very different things than me. And I find, you know, things like Fortnite and Roadblocks and all of those sorts of games just boring and I hate you know, with a passion, most of the things that he really loves. Um, He likes handball, which I like. I like physical fun stuff. Um, But, like, how do I get him to talk to me about stuff other than things like roadblocks? I try and listen, but I just find it really boring. Um, So how can I kind of become better friends with him? (laughs) Oh my gosh, I love this so much. And bless you, what a rockin' step mum you are to even be wanting to be friends and make the effort with your stepson. Brav frickin' oh. And uh, look, honestly, the fact that you're trying is all you need to do. No. Um, I think every mother who's raised kids from scratch is listening going, that's parenting, baby, is just listening to this bullshit boring crap that you just have no interest in. For me, having boys was exactly this experience because my daughter, I was really interested in very similar things as her. So we had that point of connection, whereas the boys, I was like, and I'm not trying to say that I played into gender stereotypes. It's just genuinely, I have two boys that from day dot were into boom, 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 you know, that sign of kind of stuff and superheroes. I could get into Star Wars with them because I love Star Wars, but the superhero. Um, so, okay, I think you're onto something with the handball. I would be playing handball dusk till dawn, or until you until you're over it, or find other activities that he hasn't even done yet. Do you like Nerf guns? Nerf Nerf wars are actually really really fun. Um, and just remember too, all you need to do is find something that you can have fun with them for, like. 15, 20 minutes, and then off to their beds. Off to their beds. 
Off to your beds, children. Off to your beds. We've had 15 minutes of fun. Now go to bed. Um, oh, you, oh, sorry. There's a dog just demonizing itself outside. Um, yeah, so that's all you need is tiny little snippets. I think sometimes, like, we all put pressure on ourselves to feel like we've got to have it all going on all the time. Nah, 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 15 minutes, then off to your symbolic metaphorical bed, whatever that might be. Um, yeah, snippets of fun. You're doing good. You're doing real good. Just, and, and every now and then, I think it's okay to pretend to listen to the Roblox Minecraft bullshit because it means a lot to them, even if it means nothing to you. Which, it, let's face it, it probably doesn't. Oh, my God, I've sat through so many boring freaking Fortnite matches and just pretended to ask questions about stuff. And usually you start annoying them enough that they say, can you just go now? Win-win. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? Look, part of me wants to say this the power of flight just because I have dreams when I'm flying and it's bloody amazing. It is amazing. Um... And also I once played that Wii game where you have to like flap your arms to try and fly across a thing. And I really hated it because it was too much effort, like to flap, 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 flap. So I just want the power of flight. We put your arms out and you're there. But as I've gotten older, little dude, um, I just really want the power of super, of super cleaning. Oh my God. You know what I want? I want Mary Poppins superpower. I just, it just occurred to me. That's I want the I want the power of Mary Poppins. I want to snap my fingers, and all the shit flies away back into the cupboard. They never went into detail about exactly what happened to dust and stuff, and whether it, she could actually snap her fingers and shit would come off the floor or do the dishes. But I'm assuming it was implied. It was implied. God damn it. So yes, I'd like the power of the power of Mary Poppins. Oh, and she sort of she flew with her umbrella too. Except I'd never remember to take it. So yeah, the cleaning. The cleaning's fine. I'm not greedy. So there we have it. So that was actually kind of fun. I I enjoyed that. Maybe that's just because I really love the sound of my own voice, especially when there's cars and dogs in the background. Just adds that extra something, I think. Um, We're going to be back next time with our regular program. And actually, this genuinely wasn't a like, oh, God, I don't have an episode. I just want to... It's... I recorded this because I want to start experimenting a little bit with what the podcast is. I think, yeah, just in the idea of keeping it fresh and fun for you, fun for me. Um, So if you have any ideas, you know, ideas or suggestions, like the different things, um, I am all ears because this is one big fun audio experiment. Mm -mm -mm. Yeah, because no one's ever podcasted before. Anyway, thank you for joining me. If you did like it, I'd love to hear from you. So please uh, contact me through jennywinter.com. It's winter with a Y, W-Y-N-T-E-R. And if you haven't already, make sure you jump on the Funny Mummies Facebook group, which is a bloody laugh. Oh, my God. It's a laugh and a half of full cream dairy laughter. All right? Have a fantastic week. Find the laughs, find the funny, and uh, keep on rocking. You got this. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.